listening to an episode of Tales from the First Tee. I'm your host, Rich Easton, recording from beautiful Charleston, South Carolina. I recorded part of this episode in Sarasota, Florida, where I hooked back up with an old work buddy of mine, Bob O'Lear, to play around a golf, and more importantly, to be reacquainted with the real rules of golf. At the tail end of that Florida trip, I come back up to Charleston and go out on the course to meet some new golfers, particularly one I'll talk about, who tried to break 100 for the first time, and man, did he come close. And then the rest of my exploits at the first tee where I get to meet all of these guys coming in for bachelor parties, wedding parties, and just fun weekend boondoggles. And this one group of guys from Baltimore, man, they were memorable. But before I get into the episode... I wanted to welcome a new country to the podcast, Bolivia. I know very little about Bolivia. I just recall the last scene in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, where the two of them escaped to South America, being chased by this posse of police, and end up coming out shooting their guns to what seemed like thousands of Bolivian police and army. You didn't see the fours out there, did you? The fours? No. Oh, good. If you look on a map of South America, it becomes abundantly clear that whoever was responsible for dividing up the borders in South America, Bolivia got screwed. Peru and Argentina border the ocean on the western side of the continent, and Bolivia seemed to get the scraps. High mountain living with surprisingly cold weather, but it doesn't end there. Here are a few travel tips that I picked up from Fodor. Buses run on their own schedule. The climate is unforgiving. Bureaucracy is rife and not many people speak English. (laughs) That didn't sound good. Due to poor regulation, control, and a lack of education, food hygiene practices tend to be lower in Bolivia than the developed world. Those with a sensitive stomach should ensure to seek out places that cook their food on the spot and have a high customer turnover. (laughs) Who wrote this article? (laughs) Not a strong travel article. And here is some warning. Bag snatches. Keep fancy cameras and day packs wrapped around a limb at all times. Fake police. Don't believe anyone claiming to be an undercover police officer. Just ignore them and walk away. And then theft by distraction. Someone spilling sauce or dirt to distract you while while an accomplice lifts your wallet is a common technique. 
Anyone coming for anything other than tourism should be prepared to tackle a mountain of paperwork. Despite recent legal reforms, extensive use of pretrial detention combined with trial delays, undetermined defendants' rights, and contribute to prison overcrowding, threats to judicial independence, violence against women, and child labor are major concerns. So, whoever is listening to this podcast in Bolivia, hold on to your wallets, strap your camera, and cast your leg. For God's sake, stay away from cocaine. Wear a shit ton of layers to deal with the cold, high climate and limit your alcohol intake to prevent altitude sickness. But other than that, bienvenida mis nuevos amigos de Bolivia. I'm sitting here with my buddy Bob O'Lear at Heritage Oaks in Sarasota, Florida. I had the opportunity to come down while I was visiting some family, and Bob was able to clear up his schedule and come out and play around at golf with me. And according to what Bob had said during the round, this is one of his best rounds he's played in a long time. So, Bob, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here, Rich. And tell me a little bit about your round, first of all, because every time you hit the ball in the middle of the fairway, like 230, 240, you were astounded by your feat of brilliance. Well, <clears throat> I went out uh, Friday, and I hit three fairways all day, and one green, and today I hit nine fairways and nine greens. I got to tell you, so I've played with Bob for 20 years, and Bob's a good player. Um, but today, Bob was an excellent player. I mean, I don't remember you missing a fairway, and I missed almost every one. Thank God I hit the last one and made a par on the last hole. But um, Bob cleaned my wallet out today. played really well. In Charleston, I, I think I play a 132 slope. And this is a deceptive 118, quite frankly. I mean, you have to be right with your tee shot, and you have to be right on the greens. The greens don't look intimidating, but I don't think there's a flat lie. And if there is, I didn't have any today. <laughs> no, you didn't. You, you know what? You had a hard time putting. You suck! And until the end, when you got the hang of it, and you had a couple birdie putts, and I thought you were putting well on the back nine, you we tied the back nine. Yeah, but I got killed. I think you got me four on the front. What the fuck? But okay, so um, I think you played really well today. Now, Bob is a Marine veteran, and as a Marine, they learn how to do things a certain way, which is the right way. And so, when Bob plays golf, he plays it the right way and he plays by all the rules and matter of fact we even talked about it when we first got here as to okay how are we going to amend the rules and at the end we didn't mend any rules there was no mulligan there were no gimme putts 
in match play, you give somebody a putt if it's close enough, but you've probably won the hole or it's just that close. But Bob also, and Bob and I have talked about this, he has this set of 10 things that totally irk him about how people cheat or amend the rules. Is that, is that a good way to say it? Yeah, I would say amend the rules and you know, bend them a little bit. <laughs> Stop cheating! It's Minecraft! Take us through your top 10. Well, the first and explain one. them to me too. Like, okay. give me examples. What one was the one you said on the first tee? Now, usually guys don't say that, but if they hit a bad shot, they'll go breakfast ball. And it's like, what do you mean breakfast ball? Go, well, there's always a breakfast ball. What guy? So you don't. So mulligans are just no mulligans, no mulligans, right? You have a beautiful range here. By the this, by the way, is the coolest range I've ever seen. So as you stand up to the range, they first of all, they supply you with these Camus balls, and I think they're called Camus balls. They don't travel as far as regular balls, and they can't because if you, if you really crushed it, you'd be on the 18th tee box. Their driving range is a lake. It's a lake, and what they do is they have some island greens with some flags for you to hit at. And then I said, Bob, I go, almost every shot but a few are going in the water. How do they collect the balls? And he, he, they have like a scraper or something that goes under the water? No, it skims. They all float. The skimmer. Yeah. Oh, the balls float. They float, and you lose about, you know, they're about 15, 20 yards less than you normally hit. But it's the, it's the prettiest driving range I've ever seen. And then they have this fountain in the middle of it. So um, anyway, so Bob's first rule is no mulligans. <laughs> What's the second one that people tend to violate? Two. The second one is the they play an out of bounds as a lateral hazard. What happens is they get up there and they're like two or three feet out of bounds and they'll go, I'll just drop one here and take a stroke. And I'm like, No you won't. You're gonna you're gonna go back to the T and hit three and they go, Well, you're a real asshole. Look, Bob's a very rulesy guy and why not? Golf has rules, so you follow the rules. Now not everybody does it wherever you go, but Bob had other uh, pet peeves. Like how golfers, when they go to mark their golf balls, they'll put a mark somewhere in front of their ball and then pick the ball up. And then when they go to replace it, they put the ball in front of the mark, which basically is moving it closer to the hole than it was before. Or people that ground their club in a bunker when they're getting ready for a bunker shot or on their own decide to move their ball from wherever it is because the lie just isn't the way they want it to be. Generally, all of these things are golfers giving themselves an unfair advantage and posting scores much lower than they actually shot because of all the rules infractions. Bullshit. Unless we're playing for money, professionally, or in a sanctioned event, most golfers are going to amend the rules to avoid an apoplectic brain cramp from all the cruel rules. The guys I play with agree up front on certainly mulligans on the first tee box. And sometimes, depending on the weather conditions, being able to lift clean in place. That's when the ground's really wet. You got to clean the ball. Otherwise, it's a muddy mess. Uh, we give each other uh, gimme putts when we think it's close enough or a guy has just had enough. It's not important to a lot of the people I play with what somebody else scores. It's just important that generally we're all playing by the rules we all agree to. And so when, when people decide they're going to amend the rules, I suggest decide up front. 
And if you don't and you get to a certain thing, before you hit the ball, just ask a guy, hey, are we playing it like this or are we playing like that? And have people agree we are or we're not. And look, if you're playing with somebody that's rulesy like Bob, then play by the rules. And because it, for that person, it's very important that whatever scores we're posting, we're posting playing the same rules. So my advice is just know who you're playing with and play by whatever rules everybody else is playing with. And if all of that translates to you putting down a lower score and you're lowering your handicap, God bless you because you're going to play with somebody one day and that low handicap is going to cost you a lot of money. I'm out playing as a single the other day and I come up on a twosome at Charleston National. And actually, I'm coming around the corner and their cart was stopped in a place where I didn't think there was going to be a cart. I almost hit them. So I slam on my brakes and they heard me because I think my tires screeched. And it was a couple, a guy and a gal, and the guy was really nice. And he's like, hey, you want to play with me? And I'm like, you know, sure, if you don't mind. We had a way, he had a foursome in front of him and others in front, so they weren't going anywhere. Probably made the most sense. So I introduced myself. He introduces himself as Austin, and he's with his girlfriend, Catherine. At least I think her name's Catherine. Could be Kathleen. She works as a paralegal up in Georgetown, which is an hour north of, of Mount Pleasant, and says the hour commute each way just doesn't bother her. She works for her sister, who practices injury law, estate planning, and all sorts of torts. She and her sister both own horses, and they ride them and stable them someplace up in Seaway. And since I keep getting her name wrong, let's call her C. C teaches horseback riding on Sundays, which is pretty cool. Austin is the CEO and co-founder of Gnosis Freight, and that's Gnosis with a G. As a master coder, Austin built a freight logistics platform that helps customers and freight haulers basically have optics on product when it goes from point A to point B all the way through the journey. His website has this very cool video that shows how the software works. And if you ever want to know how stuff gets from Shanghai, China to Booger Hole, West Virginia, it's worth watching the video. And Austin shared with me that he was on a mission to break a hundred. Austin's never broken 100 before, and he's telling me this story. And he played the back nine first, now he's playing the front nine. And he's got seven holes to play. And he has to bogey or better the next seven holes to break 100. And I think he shot in the high 50s on the front nine. So I just thought to myself, that's going to be really hard because there's some hard holes coming up. But nonetheless, we get up, we start talking, and he gets up, and he tees off, and he cracks a drive around 240 yards and turns to me and said, that's the best drive I've ever hit in my life. Done that! No one has ever done that! In that and I'm thinking, okay, maybe he got lucky. Maybe he can break 100. So he gets up to his next ball, hits it in the sand trap, two to get out, two putts. He double bogeys the hole, but... 
he hit an incredible drive, and the last putt he made was good. So I think this guy's got potential. We get to the next hole. Again, plays it, hits some really good shot, bogeys it. I'm like, okay, this guy just needs a par or so, and he might be able to accomplish this. Now he gets to the next hole, and he hits the longest drive I've ever seen hit on that hole. And I'm looking at this guy, and he's kind of new to the sport, but he loves it. And which, which I kind of like, I like when somebody bites into golf and they get the passion because I have it. So I compliment him on, he's looks at me, he goes, I've never hit a drive like that. And I'm like, okay, take it easy. You got to get on the green on the next shot. Maybe he had a 60 yard shot and you got a two putt. So he gets to his ball. He hits his shot five feet from the pin. And he's looking at me like, I've never hit an approach shot like that. No one has ever done that. No. And I'm like, well, you have now. Let's make the putt. So he goes up, looks at the putt, walks around, hits a really nice putt, edges it out, maybe a few inches from the cup. It's a kick-in par, the first par he's ever had in his life. You cannot be serious. And he's like, dude, you are good luck. And I'm like, yeah, buddy. I'm like Bagger Vance today. So we get to the next hole after Austin just made his first par. And it wasn't just an average par. This was as close to a birdie as he's ever seen. Now we've got the toughest par three on the course. It's 165 yards, water all the way down the right-hand side and a little bit in front of the green. It's a hard shot for somebody who's playing a long time. I hit my shot. It didn't go in the water, thank God. And now Austin gets up, and he hits a shot that misses the water and is maybe 15, 20 yards from the green on the left, and he misses a trap. So now he has this maybe 25-yard uphill pitch shot, which is not an easy shot for somebody who's playing a long time, which he hasn't. And he goes and hits this shot up in the air, hits the green, and rolls by the pin, maybe 20 feet. It was a miraculous shot. Even he was like, what the heck? He goes to make the putt, misses it, and now makes his bogey. And goes on to bogey and double bogey the next two holes. He does not break 100. But he shoots a 102 and tells me that was the best series of holes I've ever played in my life. Bag of Vance, the name. You lost your swing. We got to go find him. And that made me feel great. I like playing with people that exceed what they think their potential is. I enjoy playing with people that really are trying to get better and applaud the fact that they do something well. It's fun for me. Because I like to play well, and it's always great to play with a buddy who encourages you, who wants you to do well. Where I struggle is with dickheads on the golf course, overly serious, and quite frankly, they don't want you to do well. They just want themselves to do well. I've got little patience for golfers like that. So what I do is I surround myself with buddies that are fun, that like to play, but that are encouraging. So I gave Austin my podcast card, and I hope he goes on and listens to a few episodes, and I hope he hears this one, 
because this guy is a good guy and he's got that thing in his eye where he just wants to play golf and play well. I like that. And I think he's like one of those old souls. You ever meet those people that they are much older than their age? I think this guy is one of those guys. Anyway, to be continued. always felt a man's grip on his club just like a man's grip on his world. This last story just happened to me the other day. It's a Friday morning at the first tee and typically in Charleston. On Friday mornings, we start to get these bachelor parties, these out-of-town guys just coming in to have like a golf mecca. And sometimes a wedding party or two, but people are having fun. And so this one foursome walks up and this guy walks up to me and he's, <laughs> you could tell he's still out from the night before. And he's like, hey, what's the course record? And I go, it's, it's 62. And I'm going to bet that none of the four of you are going to break it today. And they just started laughing and they're kidding with each other. Each one is telling stories about the other. And I'm like, this is a fun group. So I follow him up to the first tee and I tell him, hey, guys, listen, you guys have told me some very interesting stories. I might want to include it in my podcast. And they're like, you got a podcast? And, you know, the guys start looking it up and they're looking at some of the titles. And one of the guys goes, hey, this ought to be funny. I mean, check some of these titles out. And so we're joking about the podcast. And just before they tee off, I thought I'd introduce them. And I and I posted it on Instagram and Facebook. Basically, I introduced these Baltimoreans, these four guys from Baltimore that are just having the time in their lives. And I said, these guys are fucking fun. And they're all commenting. Everybody has something to say. And just before I'm about to turn off the camera, one of them goes, and I'm going to have sex with Morgan up in the bar there. Well, and they all start laughing and I cut it off. And I actually posted it, not but like 10 minutes later. I thought it was funny. I think I said something too, like uh, who wouldn't? trying to you know uh, buddy up with these young guys you see that girl over there she pretty good looking do you dare me to go talk to her i see you're drinking one percent is that because you think you're fat because you're not you could be drinking whole if you wanted to and so i posted i thought it was i'm starting to get comments back from some of my buddies hey, that's funny that's great and uh, all of a sudden i get a comment from a a female perspective a female empowerment perspective and the opinion was you better get her permission to post that because she might not want people talking like that i got a bad feeling about this and so i stop and i'm thinking yeah you know what in my generation we'd have hr departments all over stuff like this so you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna pull it down and then i'm gonna repost it again but i gotta talk to morgan so three hours later, I go up to the bar and there's Morgan and she's by herself working and she's have you know, just a lot of crowds coming in and out. And I go, hey, Morgan, I, I got to show you something. I got to show I posted this video and then I pulled it back again. She goes, show it to me. So I start showing it to her three seconds into the video before we even get to the punchline. She's like, oh, I love those guys. You see that guy in the left? I'm like, yeah. He's like, he told me he wants to sleep with me and I'm okay with it. And I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, he's cute 
And most importantly, he's from out of town. I'm like, do tell. She's like, I love these guys. They have a good sense of humor. They're coming in from out of town. They want to party. And at the end of the weekend, they're gone. So if I have a really good time, we might stay connected. If I don't, I just don't have to see him again. But it sounded more like this. Hey, Rich, I like these guys from out of town. Man, they come in with a lot of money and a great sense of humor. And if I like them, we stay in touch. And if I don't like them, good riddance. I don't have to see him again. You know what I'm talking about, right? What? <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, man, we've got some generation differences, don't we? But she is a great sport. She likes what she does. She's probably one of the best at it in the Charleston market because she knows how to play up to guys. When she, when New York guys come in and talk to her, she puts on a heavy North Carolina accent. When Southern guys talk to her, she doesn't go as heavy with the accent. And you can't miss her because she wears these neon sneakers that I think you could see from the space station. I do say, old chum, that is a big pile of bullshit you've got there. So my new friends from Baltimore, my Baltimoreans, I hope you guys had a good weekend. And I hope she did too. You've been listening to an episode of Tales from the First Tape. I'm your host, Rich Easton, recording from beautiful Charleston, South Carolina. Talk to you soon.